0: Father, we come this morning before you. We're hungry for you. And Lord, we realize that what we need more than anything else is you. And so we want to give ourselves and open our hearts that we may be filled with you. That nothing would stop us. That there would be no hindrance. And that we can have all of you that there is to be had. Because Jesus, we need nothing else like we need you. And we say this morning, we're here for you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right. So we're going to talk about Jesus. That's this guy right here. Um, who has been uh, looking in the news this week who knows what this painting is? Leonardo da Vinci. We have, it looks like, about three people in the room that actually read the news. Um, so that's, that's okay. So I'm, I'm going to educate you a little bit um, On this man, Jesus. We're going to talk about Jesus. So this week was a pretty amazing week in the art world. Because what we have here on the screen is a painting of Jesus. It's called Salvatore Mundi, which means Savior of the World. And it's a painting that was painted by Leonardo da Vinci back uh, right around 1500. And this week it's sold, shattered, completely shattered the record for the highest price for any piece of artwork. And it sold this week for $450 million. $450 million. Now, this is a painting that was done some 15 years ago. Uh, sorry, 500 years ago. It was right about the time, actually, of um, Martin Luther. Yeah, if Martin Luther um, nailing his 95 theses to the cathedral um, doorpost. It was about the time of the Reformation. And so it was painted at a time before we'd come into this um, Enlightenment and postmodern era where people, generally speaking across the world, they would believe in Jesus and they would know who he was. There wouldn't really be a dispute about it. But obviously, there were no pictures. There were no photographs of Jesus. All there were are the stories that had been told about him. There were no newspaper articles you could look to. And so artists had tried to depict Jesus over the course of history. And they had tried to depict him to figure out what he was like from what they knew about and from what they'd heard about Jesus. So you had these snippets of information. And so one amazing artist by the name of Leonardo da Vinci, who was an incredible inventor. I mean, if you study his life, he's amazing. He sat down and took the time to try and paint and depict what he believed Jesus was like some 500 years ago. And this is what he came up with. Um, Now, I don't want to diss Leonardo, but quite frankly... I don't know if I think this is just a fantastic depiction of what Jesus is like. I don't think he's a lot like this. Now, the picture on the television screen here is a little sharper than this one. But you can see this picture of Jesus. He looks pretty somber and sad. It looks like he has kind of reddish hair as well to me. So I don't know where that fits in. Um, He's raising up his fingers like this. I don't know what that's about. And of course, he's holding in his left hand, as you can see, a crystal ball due to the numerous scripture references of Jesus holding crystal balls. And so he has this sphere in his left hand, and he's kind of expressionless, and he is just staring. And this is this depiction of Jesus that Leonardo da Vinci gave so much time and thought and energy to paint It ended up, after he painted in the 1500s, getting into the hands of an uh, English aristocracy. Of course, we know that all good things end up in the hands of the English at some point in time. And they don't normally stay there, just what happened to this. Um, And so, over the course of some hundreds of years, it ended up um, being forgotten about. And in 1958, in England, it was found, um, it was thought to be a fake, and it was sold for $59. It bounced around um, in different people's attics for a while. Um, It then made it to the U.S. and was found, again, believed to be a fake. It was sold through an estate sale to a consortium of art dealers for just under $10,000. That was in 2005, only 14 years ago or whatever. My math is not good. Um, In 2005. So then some time was taken, and its authenticity was verified And in 2011, just some six years later, it was sold to a Swiss art dealer for $75 million once it was verified as being actually a true da Vinci. 18 months later, he then sold it to a Russian oligarch for $127 million. He made $52 million in 18 months. That's not a bad business to be in. And then, of course, this Russian oligarch who purchased it around 2013 for $127 million. he just sold it for almost half a billion dollars. Because, of course, he was in need of money. Um, you know, I've been thinking about becoming an oligarch myself. It sounds like a pretty, good, a pretty good gig. So, here we have this amazing story of what I think is a rather poor picture of Jesus. In fact, I prefer this picture. I prefer this one. Why? Because this is another redhead. This is my youngest son, Joshua. And I just wanted an excuse to show that, actually. Yeah, that was, maybe baby Jesus looked like that. <laughs> but that means more to me, and it didn't cost a thing. Anyway, let's get the other junk back up there, and we're going to carry on with the story. <laughs> so here's da Vinci's picture. And so some private person, not a museum, this week... Valued a questionable picture of Jesus for almost half a billion dollars. And I want to ask you, how much do you value a clear picture of Jesus? How much do I value having a clear depiction of this man Jesus? And so we're going to dig into his life and look at him a little bit this morning. And the title of my message in our series of Healthy Strong is Be Somebody. Be Somebody. And well, we're going to look at a passage here. If you come with me, we're going to read it. And we're going to look at how Jesus interacted with people like you and me. And that we can learn how to be somebody that holds of great value having a clear picture of Jesus and being changed by him. Um, so let's jump into Mark together. The scripture's going to come up. Um, in this day and age, you can be lazy in church. You don't even need to bring a Bible or any, any such thing. We're going to read it together. We do all the work for you. Um, and let's read here um, through Mark together. So this is, um, this is uh, Jesus had been out and about fairly early in his ministry doing all kinds of miracles. Um, and we catch him here. Um, after he had just um, come, I believe he had just uh, healed the demoniac, and he comes across the lake, and we're going to pick it up here in Mark 5 and verse 21. Here we go. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Everybody say, Jesus went with him. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around. Everybody say, Jesus kept looking. Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. We're going to look at the story a little bit here. We have two types of people that are depicted in this story. We have the crowd. And then we have somebody. From Jesus' perspective, we have a crowd. And then we have a somebody. It says in the Matthew rendition of this that he turned and he says, somebody touched me. And that's when he kept looking. So we have a crazy scene here that this man Jesus has been out and about. He's been doing amazing, incredible things. The word has been spreading about him. Um, He's just totally cutting in the face of contemporary religion. He's not like it at all. He's not focused on being in the synagogue all the time. He's not trying to tell people what to do. He's out with the people showing them what God is like. And so the word is spread and there have been these crazy miracles and people being healed. Um, uh, he's, he's telling people things about their lives. He, he, no, no one can refute him. His, his teaching and instruction is simple, yet it's amazing. And so he comes to the town and people hear and all these people who are in all different types of situations, all different backgrounds, different levels of need. They want to get by this guy, Jesus. They want to see him. They want to be around him. And so they're thronging in the streets. They gather early. Someone probably would have been by the lake and said, hey, Jesus is here. He's come back. His boat's pulling up. Quick, we think he's going to go to the synagogue. Let's line the streets. We'll get in the town." And so he begins walking through and you have a picture of him. He's probably talking with people. He's talking to disciples. And probably hundreds of people are there thronging around him, wanting to get close to him. They're bustling. They're bumping into him. They're, they're knocking against him. If anybody of you uh, have ever been in some huge sports stadium for a massive sporting event where you've got crowds just pressing against you. I've been to a few of these, a few um, rugby matches in England, where England beat France. Yes, we beat France. And so you're with this crowd of people who's pushing, trying to see something. And so this is the picture. All these people wanting to get close to Jesus, most of them are just a crowd. They're enamored by what they've heard about him. He's a novelty. They're just curious about him. And so they're pressing to try and watch and see. But then we have this one woman. She's a somebody to Jesus. Because she came into the crowd when she had no business being in the crowd. She was bleeding. She'd been bleeding for 12 years She, therefore, by Jewish law, was ceremonially unclean. She could not be out in public. Because she had an issue which wasn't her fault. She didn't know what it was. She'd done everything that she could to try and deal with the issue. She'd given everything she could to try and fix the issue. She had trusted other people to try and take it away and deal with it. But all that she had done, all the money that she had spent... All the doctors who had benefited from her money had not yet been able to help her. She was no better off. In fact, we read here, she was worse off. And now she had no money. From her perspective, she had no help. She had no hope. And as things were getting worse, it was likely if things continued that she may die. But she too had heard of this man, Jesus. And she'd heard the stories. She had heard the accounts of him. She had heard what he had done. She'd heard what he had said. And she decided within herself that he was her only hope. And she had to get to him but she knew that she shouldn't be out there and really she couldn't get to him. And yet she took a risk by going out in public when she should not have done and she began to probably with a shawl over her head to try and disguise herself. She went into the streets. She probably was known in the area. She was concerned, I'm sure, that some people would see her. She had to run the gauntlet as it were if someone saw her, she would be strongly reprimanded and she would be taken away. and She would be condemned for what she had done. But she took a risk to go and press through that crowd and to go and get close to Jesus. And of all the other people there in the crowd, she became a somebody. Because what she did caused Jesus to turn without even seeing her and said, hold on, there is somebody who has come to me in a way that none of these other people have. All these other people are pressing on me. I'm being touched by hundreds of people, yet someone came to me with a different heart, with a different hope, with a different belief. And they received something from me that no one else has received. We read in Luke's account. It says, when the woman saw that she had not escaped notice. She didn't want to be noticed. She was trying to not be noticed. Yet Jesus wanted to notice her. Because of something within. What she had is what he valued more than anything else. Others there probably thought they had less need than this woman. I would venture to say that they all had needs. They were probably different than this woman's need. I would venture to say every person pressing around Jesus had a need. They needed something from Jesus that they couldn't get anywhere else, but they weren't aware of it like this woman was aware of it. And what did Jesus do? Well, we know what he did. We read what he did, that he Turned. Now many people have preached about this of how, how he he wasn't even aware, but he sensed healing power had come out of him. And then he turned to this woman and he 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 looked for her. What do we learn from this? There are two people here who really were the somebodies. There was the gyrus. And then there was this woman with the issue of blood. And I think the thing that we learn first from both of these people is this. Number one, if you go to him, he will come to you. If you go to him, he will come to you. Jairus was in a situation too much like this woman. But it wasn't his own life. It was the life of his little daughter. And he too was in a situation. Probably a man of some means had an access to a doctor. And his little girl, despite all he had done, was not getting better. He was on death's door. She was on death's door. He came to Jesus. And... He came to Jesus and said to Jesus, will you come to me? And of all the people that were thronging around Jesus, the thing I love about this is that when one person came to him and pleaded with him and says, will you come? The Bible just says, Jesus went with him. And I believe that this morning, Jesus wants all of us here to know that Whatever our situation is, whatever area that we may feel we do not have hope in, whatever area we feel we are unclear in, whatever area where the path and the road is not clear to us, and maybe we've walked down that road like this woman, and yet we have found that we have not reached the destination, and we have given of everything within ourselves, we have given of our money, And yet, we still cannot find what we're looking for. That Jesus wants us to know this morning, if we will come to him again, he will come to us. And you may be here this morning and you may not really even know Jesus. You may not have this type of relationship with Jesus that you see and hear other people talking about. And you may feel this morning that, you know what? I don't really feel as I look at my life that I have hope. That I know what the future is. But there is this man called Jesus. The famous painters gave of their life, their lifeblood to paint and depict. This amazing man who if you come to him, he will come to you. And the very thing which you haven't found and feel you cannot found is the very thing that he has. And he wants to give to you. And you have an opportunity this morning. And I will give an opportunity when we stand and pray at the end. That if, you, if you're in a situation in your life where you know that you don't know Jesus like you want to. That you can know him this morning. And if you come to him this morning, he will come to you. I love it. When Jesus stops in his tracks and he knows that someone has believed something about him which none of the other people around have believed. And her faith has caused her to receive something from him that no one else has received. But I find this fascinating. That he knew she was healed. But yet he stopped. He stopped. Why did he stop? He knew that she was healed. He, he, he said, healing power has gone out of me. If this woman was looking for healing, why was it not sufficient that she would receive healing? And she could be healed and go on her way and Jesus just carry on. But it wasn't sufficient for Jesus. He stopped in his tracks and he wanted to find this woman. So first of all, he talked to his disciples and said, what happened? Who who touched me? I I bet they laughed. I think if we we kind of de-spiritualize this situation and we imagine if it was me there with my friends and with this guy Jesus, and everyone is bumping into him and banging around, and he's like, who touched me? I would probably laugh too. Like, what's wrong with you? We all just touched you. But he stopped and he said, no. I felt power go out of me. And then the Bible says here, the scripture says, verse 32, um, he asked again who touched me, but but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. He wasn't going to let it go. This woman had been healed, yet there was something more that Jesus wanted to give to her. Number two, Jesus wants you to know that he wants more for you than you want from him. Let me say that again. Jesus wants more for you than you want from him. This woman had received the one thing that she was going to Jesus for. She was going for a healing and she had received it. It says she felt immediately in her body that she was freed from her suffering. So I think if, if we can imagine what it was like, she, she, she took this risk, adrenaline pumping. She pushed through the crowd. She got there. She just saw the hem of his garment swishing. She jostled her way through, just grabbed that side of it. And then the power of God came into her body. And she, it says she felt it. She felt that wound, whatever that abnormality was. She felt it become healed and whole. And then I think probably with a cloak over her face again, she thought, let me, let me get out of here before someone else sees me. I know that I, I, I've got what I came for from Jesus, but I'm going to leave now. I'm going to go. But it wasn't enough for Jesus. Because while he knew that she had been physically healed in her body, he wanted to do more for her than just that healing. He didn't just want her body healed. He wanted her transformed and whole. And he wanted to break from her the things that still afflicted her, even though she was physically healed. He wanted to do more for her than she wanted from him. He wanted to give her total wholeness. Let's look at what he did. So he said to her, he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now in the King James, I love this, it says, daughter, um, be of good cheer. Anybody remember reading that back in the King James and we used to do that, be of good cheer, which that word cheer means be of good courage that Jesus wanted to put courage into this woman. But he, he was so set on finding this because he wanted to do a series of things and see this woman's life change and not just her body healed. And in one sentence, being Jesus and amazing as he was, as he saw this woman knowing her condition, in the space of the delivery of one sentence and the look of his eyes, he freed her from a whole series of things which had been afflicting her. You know, it's interesting. He said um, he says to her, go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Some translations say affliction. So even though she was physically healed now, she was still afflicted. And that Greek word there just comes from the word whip or to scourge. And it was used metaphorically from someone being afflicted and being, in, and being troubled and just being brought down. And he turned to her and here's what he did. He first of all addressed her as daughter. He turned to her. He brought her back when she was afraid of being out in public. She was afraid of the shame. She had been excluded and ostracized, and he brought her back in front of everyone. He called her his daughter, daughter. He showed her her identity. He told her who she was, that whereas she had been an outcast, now she was a daughter of the king. She's a daughter of the king. And he didn't just want to tell her to her face. He wanted everyone else to hear it. God doesn't just want to tell you who you are. That's helpful. But he wants you to know in the presence of everybody who you are. So that everybody can endorse and see and know the God in you as well as you know the God in you. This is why we live in community. This is why we worship together. It's not just that Gino needs to know who he is in the Lord. We need to know who Gino is in God. That we can receive from Gino. That we can endorse Gino. That we can encourage him. That we can validate him. And we can receive from the gift of God that he is to us. So God wants to speak to you and me who we are in the presence of our community. This woman was full of fear and shame. She shouldn't have been there. She should not have come out there. She broke the law, the religious laws. God is more interested in you being healed and touched by him than he is you following the religious laws that would lead you to that place. And this woman was still carrying fear and shame. It said she was afraid. But when she realized that she could no longer go unnoticed, then she came forward and she fell on her feet before him. And he lifted her up and says, daughter, your faith has healed you. What you did was right. I don't care that you came out here when you should have stayed away. What you did was right. And you came and accessed me. And I want you to know it. And I want everybody else to know it. You need not fear. There's no shame. I want to put courage into you. And I want you to know peace, the true peace from me. And I want you to be free now from those things that have afflicted you. What had afflicted her? Well, one of the things was disappointment. Fee mentioned this earlier. just felt like the Lord was highlighting it to her, which he was. I thought it was interesting because it was something I tended to talk about. But your disappointment... can be a wall that's between you and receiving what God has. So it's a wall. It's an obstacle. But it's something, but obstacles can be got over. They can be broken down. They can be climbed. They can be moved. They can be destroyed. They can be got round. But this woman was carrying deep, deep disappointment because she had trusted before. She had taken a risk before. She had given of all her money. And she had kept giving, kept hoping, and kept hoping, and kept hoping until there was none left. And I would imagine when she was down to the very last of her money, and she was about to give the last of it to the doctors, that she probably threw up some final prayer of, Lord, please let this be it. Because I got nothing after this. But it was precious to Jesus. That. Once she had given. All that she had. And she done all she could do. She knew where to come. Because if you. Go to him. He will. Come to you. He will. Come to you. And Jesus. Jesus. When he spoke to her, I believe that when he accepted her in the community, when he put courage into her, when he called her his daughter, and when he, he commanded peace over her, and he freed her from her affliction, I believe in doing that, he freed her from being bound to that disappointment so she could now live in wholeness, not just physically healed, but whole in her heart. And so that the next time she needed something from Jesus, because this is not a one-time thing, amen. (laughs) The next time she needed something from Jesus, there would not be that fear, that hesitance, that shame, but she would be prepared to go to him again. Because he broke off that disappointment. So, we can be in a crowd or we can be a somebody. And God wants everybody here to be a somebody to Him today and every day. How can we be somebodies? I'm going to pray in a minute here, but I have a couple of ideas and observations about being a somebody. <clears throat> and I want to ask you, <clears throat> Like Jairus, who had seen and heard, and like this woman with the issue of blood, we don't know her name, I want to ask you what have you heard and seen of Jesus? What have you heard and seen that you believe pertains to your life now? With respect to the areas where you may feel like I'm unclear or I don't have hope, what have you seen and heard? From Jesus, that can be your fuel to go to him. In the Matthew's account of this passage, it says in there that as this woman came to Jesus, he says this exactly. He says, as she came, she was saying to herself, if I would only touch his garment. She kept saying to herself, is what it says. And I have this picture of her that she had. She had to. She had to work at this. This doesn't come easy. And I'm not saying this is easy. To get to a place of faith is it, it, it's a decision and it's a choice. But she kept saying to herself, "If I just touch him, I believe I'll be healed." She kept saying it. I believe it probably began more as a question. If I go to him, will, will he heal me? If I go, will he heal me? If I go, will he heal? Well, well I, I've, I've heard what he did here. I've heard he delivered that boy of the, uh, of the demons. I've heard he healed this person. He, he, he turned the water into wine. He did this. If I go, will he heal me? If I go, will he? Yeah, I, 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 I think he will. I think there's reason to believe for it. Yeah, if I go, he will heal me. If I go, if I go, he will heal. If I can just touch him. If I touch him, I will be healed. If I touch him, I will be healed. If I touch him, I will be healed. And what started as a question ended up being a declaration. And so for you and me today, I want us to ask ourselves, what is it that we need to make a declaration this morning about our situation? When we go to Jesus now, what is our declaration? What will make us from just being in a crowd to being the somebody? What is that declaration? What are we prepared to believe for that would cause Jesus to stop in His tracks and say, there is somebody here among all these people. Somebody here believes something about me which is right and true. They believe something about who I am and what I'll do and they've received it already because they've made a declaration of what they believe. If you would just stand with me now, I want to pray for us this morning. Just close your eyes as Stephen plays. Holy Spirit, I asked you this morning that you would come and convict our hearts that you would be gracious as you are I believe there are some people here and you know that there are things that you have you've witnessed of Jesus that you've even experienced before that you've that you have, you have believed for in times gone by and this morning the Holy Spirit is is Prompting you. Because like this woman here, it's become harder for you to believe. And the Holy Spirit in His kindness, in His goodness, is stirring you to choose to make a confession. Something that you stopped making a confession. He's prompting you to choose to say, I I am going to believe. And then I'm going to go and act upon it. I'm going to go to Jesus with what I believe. I'm going to go to Jesus with what I believe. And with your eyes still closed, I believe that there may be some some people here that you feel like, you know what, I've heard about this man, Jesus. I've heard a lot about him. But I feel like I don't really know what my future is. And I don't feel like there's hope for me. But as you're hearing this, something within you, you know that this man Jesus is the answer for you too. You know that he's the answer for everyone. And it may not all make sense, may still be many questions, but your heart's beating in your chest. And you know that this man Jesus who has brought wholeness and healing to many and has brought life and purpose and freedom to billions, that this man, Jesus, he is here today and he's looking, he's turning and looking. And if you come to him, he will come and he will receive you. He will free you from all the things that have held you back. He will free you from sin and he will make you whole. And He will call you His son, His daughter. And He will receive you to Himself. He will bring you peace. He will break off disappointment. And He will bring you new life. And if that's you this morning, I want to invite you to come up and talk to me. And I would love to pray for you that you can come into that wholeness and you can know Jesus.